0: Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 Podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 Podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. Thank you for your continued support. If you haven't already, take a moment, hit subscribe or follow if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, and spread the word. Mile 40 is growing. Thanks to you all. Today's guest is Alex Kremer. Alex is the founder of Alluvians, an organization and community committed to impacting leadership and culture for both individuals and businesses. For the past 15 years, Alex has worked and trained with hundreds of leaders, sales professionals and teams from organizations such as Microsoft, Paycom, and DocuSign. As a leader, he helped grow the company of Outreach from 150 employees to over 1600 employees. He's hired, trained, and led over 100 sales managers and account executives. And he's reached club for the past 7 consecutive years um, at Outreach. Alex, thank you for joining me here.
1: Thanks, man. It's good. It's always interesting when I hear like what my bio or description is on. I'm like, oh man, that that's me. <laughs> now,
0: now, forgive me because you may have sent me a bio. I couldn't find it in the email, so then I had to go dig one up for you. Uh, so hopefully, you, I did you, you some did, justice. I don't. There.
1: I don't think I sent it to you, so you did stunningly, man. I appreciate that.
0: There it is. Uh, well, it's a pleasure having you on. I know I recently went on your show um, and we chatted for a little bit, uh, but there's a lot of things that stand out about you. Uh, but the word that I think of most when I think of you is leader. I mean, I know I've had a friend or two that I've worked for you in the past, um, and they have nothing but you know wonderful things to say about you. Um, and, and one of the things that I've come across in uh, researching you and, and studying your background was your path to leadership wasn't a smooth and steady ride, right? There were some ups and downs along the way. We're going to dive into those. Uh, but it very much goes in line with what it is that you do with Alluvians in terms of helping people do the inner work to navigate their journeys to be, you know, the most successful versions of themselves. So why don't we start really quick with giving a background on what Alluvians is, just so the audience knows?
1: Yeah, no doubt. So I have, you know, been in tech sales now for about thirteen years. So I started, you know, my career at DocuSign. I was at Microsoft for about five years. I was at outreach for five years. Uh, early employee there, opened up our New York office for outreach. uh, And now I'm the head of sales at a company called Catalyst. I lead our SDR as well as our AE team. Um, In addition to that, over the past, I would say about 8 years or so, uh, I've been a part of a lot of different communities. So communities focused on leadership, on sales, on uh, mindfulness, personal development, all that sort of stuff. And probably at this point, I've attended... You know, 50 plus retreats, three day in, in person uh, events. And so I, it's just a place I spent a lot of time, money, and energy. Um, however, through attending all these retreats and all these communities, I always felt like there was a gap within the marketplace that provided a place for tech sales professionals and tech sales leaders to, number one, get better at the craft. Like I, I have studied and I love to study how do we influence people um, and enroll them into. Purchasing our product, or, or you know, being able to, you know, support them in whatever their goals are. So, how do we do that? And how do we complement that with the inner game, right? Finding purpose, finding fulfillment, um, you know, excavating the limiting beliefs, the imposter syndrome, whatever it might be that might be preventing us from being our most authentic and unique selves. And so. You know, my goal and, you know, partially why I started Alluvians is to bridge those two worlds, right? There's people who offer sales training and there's people who offer, you know, so to speak, woo woo type of personal development stuff. There's very few communities or people who can do both. And that's where, you know, really, you know, what Alluvians came to be. And so the whole goal of Alluvians is to, you know, give you the tagline is to bring forth a new wave of rising leadership and help people feel a greater sense of purpose a greater sense of self-connection, a greater sense of connection with others, and let's close and get great freaking results uh, at the end of the day. And so, you know, as part of what we do is we throw uh, in-person immersion. So we just threw one uh, in Austin back in uh, July. We got a next one coming up in in November in Austin again. and probably going to be bringing together about 50 or so tech sales professionals, tech sales leaders, and talking about, you know, the art and the craft of sales, talking about the inner game and really just developing phenomenal community we got you know great thought leaders uh we have a former zen monk coming to talk about how to bring the art of meditation into sales um we have you know people uh doing things like breath work, uh meditations uh uh, med- uh visualizations it's a lot of different things to kind of get out of our dome so to speak and, and more into our heart right there and so uh, it's been very fulfilling to uh just be able to be part of people's journeys as You know, right now we are in a very unique inflection point of not just the humankind, I guess I would say, but specifically within the corporate world. Like a lot of people, you know, between the years of 2016 to 2021-ish, like we were in the golden ages of tech. Everybody had budget, everybody was buying stuff and it and it felt good. And then obviously, you know, COVID happened and paradigms, you know, were shattered. And now as everybody's working from remote, for the most part, you know, leadership is changing the old way of just you know drive and hit quota and, and make a lot of money. It's not working anymore. And you know people are alone at their home selling a product they may or may not care about trying to hit a quota they may or may not be actually able to hit. And people are saying, what the hell am I missing? Like there's, there's, there's more here. There's, there's something greater that I want to be part of. Um, and that's partially, you know, what, what we're doing and, and how we're trying to help people saying, Hey, yeah, let's crush it. Let's become better as sales professionals and find your freaking truth, dog. Like let's, let's step into that and also be and surrounded, uh, be with and and surrounded by other people who are journeying on that themselves.
0: Thank you, Thank you for that context. Um, and naturally, it brings me to your purpose. And it seems like alluvians is very much in line, if not already, serving your purpose. But I want to talk about the road to getting there because one of the things that you know I talk about all the time is putting yourself in uncomfortable positions so that you can find that purpose, right? Like challenging yourself, exiting your comfort zone, understanding what it is you're capable of and what your potential is. For instance, I'm sure that early on in your career, you probably didn't think you'd be essentially an event planner planning these, these immersions, right? And you'd be taken on the task of not just selling, but then overseeing people and then building out a platform that's meant to really revive people and, and take them to that next level. Um, and without you uncovering that capability and that purpose and that potential, uh, you know... Alluvians uh, wouldn't be what it is today. And you probably wouldn't be the person you are today. Um, so why don't you walk us through a little bit of, of your own personal journey?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll just share. So when I started, uh, I grew up down in San Diego, uh, had a wonderful family. Dad was a doctor. You know, one I have three older sisters. So I was the only boy of, of a family of, of six right there. Um, I went to school in Seattle and, you know, being in school in Seattle, I naturally got a job at Microsoft right out of college. And, you know, I I joined Microsoft saying, Hey, uh, I don't really know what I want to do. I know I really love speaking with people. So this whole sales thing sounds pretty good. And Microsoft is such a big company. There's opportunities in every single industry in in different products within it. So uh, I went into it. And, you know, it was a really phenomenal experience. I got to learn what an incredible corporation is, how it's runs, right? The processes, the the structure that goes along with it. And obviously Microsoft has an incredible brand. And you know, I I did very very well there. You know, I think um I hit, you know, above 100% every single year after uh 2 years I was the fastest to be promoted up into what's called a territory account executive. The average is about 4 to 5 years. I did it in 2. Um and it was Great on paper, right? So, my, I think it was like 2016, 2017 or so, uh, I was making more money than I'd ever made. Um, on paper, people were like, wow, Alex, you're crushing it. You just got promoted and, and are on the fast track here. I was living in San Francisco. Um, and if you look, you know, from outside, i would be like, hey, Alex is on the path, man. But on the inside, I was fucking, I was effed up. Like there was a big part of me that felt like um, I was putting on this face to make the world think that I was doing okay uh, and that I was doing great. And I think, you know, I think of, you know, growing up as a kid, oftentimes uh, people would always say, oh, Alex, you're, you're, you're always so happy or Alex, you know, you're, you're you're such a good kid. You never fight with your sisters. You get such good grades, all that sort of stuff. And I thought, okay, well, this is how I receive love. Therefore, I need to continue to make the world think that I'm doing awesome. And I still remember my dad used to tell me, he's like, hey, if someone asks you how you're doing, you say, I'm always awesome. Because it'll do two things. First off, they'll hear it and they'll be like, oh man, this person's feeling awesome. Like I like this person more and, and now I feel more awesome. And the second thing is if I hear myself say, I'm doing awesome, it'll hopefully brainwash myself into thinking that's the case. Now, while there's value in that, it also is unhealthy to a point because if you're not actually feeling awesome, you're simply pushing down the feelings of whatever might be sadness, depression, insecurity, anxiety, you name it. And that stuff comes up and bites you in the ass. Yeah. And so it kind of got to that breaking point in 2016, 2017, where I was, you know, number one on my team, making more money, like I said. But on the inside, like I was, extremely depressed like it's the if you picture my san francisco apartment i was living in like a very hole in the wall apartment just because i was 25 or something along those lines there was trash everywhere right i wasn't like cleaning my home like the shades were pulled down and i would hear my alarm go off and i'd be like oh my god i did not want to get out of bed
0: yeah
1: and i remember even going to meetings and just being like, what if I told, I would say this under my breath. Like I still remember saying this. I'd be like, I wonder if people know that I hate my life. Like, like I would say over, it became like a weird thing I was doing. And it became very obvious to myself. I'm like, okay, like I need to get some help here. And, um, you know, it was around that time that I got a LinkedIn message from somebody. His name was Zachary Wagner. And he's like, hey man, Um, you know, it's been following you on LinkedIn. Like, I'm curious, do you feel like you are living the greatest purpose of your life? Hmm. And I was like, damn dog, you hit me right in between my eyes right there. No, I don't. It's like, cool. Let's have a conversation. And so uh, I went and had a conversation with him and we had just, it was, it was profound. We talked about what's the greater thing that I am serving. Right, I'm not saying tech sales is bad by any means, but like, but what's yeah. that serving? What's what's the greater calling than that? And um, just really profound. And he invited me to go to uh, an immersion. It was my first ever immersion, and I was surrounded by other sales professionals and leaders. And we started doing the work of figuring out, like, hey, who the hell are you? Like, what are you really trying to be? And also, how can we start to excavate the parts of you that are preventing you from being that fullest self? And it was one of, it's kind of like if you've ever studied the hero's journey, there's a part, I think it's like step number five in the 12 or 13 steps of the hero's journey of you crossing the threshold, Hmm. cross the threshold to finally say, all right, parts of me that don't feel so good. What's up? Let's talk. And, um, it just really started like a massive level of transformation for me. And I remember my second immersion, uh, it was actually in Guatemala and it was just a really awesome, awesome trip. And, uh, one of the guys who's there, his name is Michael Brabant. He's like a, he's a big meditation, yogi-esque type of guy, long hair, mustache. and just like, this guy knows some shit. And I remember I went up to him and I was like, Hey man, like, I'm really struggling of letting go of a previous relationship. I was like, and the relationship got over ended three years ago and I'm still holding on to it. And it's like, and it's hurting me and it's preventing me from moving forward. And I remember what he said to me. It was so simple. He was like, where do you feel it in your body? I was like, "Hmm." I was like, I, I just kind of like stopped. And I felt, I was like, I think I feel it like in my, in my heart, my chest, like it's like a, a thing. It's not even about her at this point. It's like become a thing. He's like, awesome. He's like, what I want you to focus on for the rest of the trip. And we were there for about four or five more days. What I want you to focus on is like, just breathe in through the heart and out through the heart the rest of the trip. That's really just what I want you to focus on. I was like, okay, I can do that. That sounds simple enough. And I did. And like, you know, in one on ones when we were talking, when I was eating dinner, you know, when I was, you know, just sitting there listening to the speaker, like I really focused on it. And I can't tell you, it felt like something just is like an the first crack on an egg. That was like it was so hardened, so hardened Mm -hmm. that just through simply my presence and my breath, I'm just like, hey, what's up? Whatever this thing is that I'm I'm holding, I said like, let's start loosening you up. And and it really like brought me in. And at the end of the uh, five days in Guatemala, you know, I I got up and I raised my hand. I was like, oh guys, like I just had this crazy thing happen to me. I started breathing in my heart and out of my heart. And uh, one of the leaders, his name was Ben. He's like, cool. Do you feel called to make a commitment in front of everybody of, of how to continue this? And I was like, huh, that's a great, great question. I was like, um, I commit to meditating for 365 days in a row,
0: hmm.
1: right? Seeing where that takes me. And, um, and I did it. And some days uh, were nice long, you know, 20, 30 minute meditations. And some days it was right before I went to bed. I was like, oh shit, I haven't meditated today. And I just did it for a minute. I just focused on my breath, but I did it. And I had a little uh, app and it will just show me how many yeah. I was getting to. And I remember when I got up to like 100, I was like, all right, I cannot miss a day because this has been pretty hard to Made keep. this up. far, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and just like that was, I think that was 2018 timeframe. That was one of the most pivotal Transformational years of my life because I remember not only did I develop a better community from just being within that group right there, but I finally started to connect with myself and really just like, Hey, as opposed to thinking about my thoughts, I'm thinking about like, let's have, let's create some space here for me. And it really allowed me to drop in and I ended up leaving Microsoft and, and, and joining outreach, you know, when it was 150 employees or so. And that just ended up being. The perfect environment for me to blossom as a sales professional. I eventually moved into sales leadership after that and and built and grew out teams. But um, it it all went back to I was at the darkest that I'd ever felt before. Um, And I chose to get help through a community and through really self connecting. And that's not meant to say that I don't still struggle. Depression is is still a very big part of me a part of my life. And it's affected my family for a very long time. And, you know, it, it, the more intimate I've gotten with my depression, the more of a relationship that I've developed. Sure, is it fucking hard sometimes? Oh my God. Yes. Like this past winter, I went through some dark ass shit again. Yeah. But I've also found that when I honor it, when I hold it as sacred, when I face it, not, not alone, right? I, I receive help, I receive therapy, I receive community, I receive coaching, and I face this stuff. I've actually found there's a very, wall that, wow, once I find the jewel or the lesson and I integrate that, I just, it's like, you know, when Mario eats the mushroom and he's like, "Mm -hmm," like he like, he like love or whatever, like that's truly what it feels like. And it's just been a continual journey of that um, through both my career as well as my, my personal life.
0: If you know me, you know that I like to look good and feel good. As an endurance athlete who trains daily I need my wardrobe to fit the mold. Roan creates performance-driven clothing for your active lifestyle. Each piece is designed for versatility and made with integrity to outfit you for an active life lived on your own terms. The Roan promise is to help you move forever forward. Use code MILE40 for 20% off online and in store for new customers only. Visit www.rone.com. That's Roan spelled R H O N E or find your local store and move forever forward starting today. What really stands out about your story is that it's extremely relatable. You know, like there are a lot of people out there who on the outside, they're making good money in their jobs you know people are praising them for their output on a day-to-day basis the the people on the periphery think oh my god like what do i got to do to be like alex and to your point, no one really knows what's going on on the inside um and so I love that your story speaks to so many people, and on top of that, you know, you talk about depression, and it, it's something that isn't talked about enough um, as um, it impacts so many people daily, and again, it's just kind of unrecognized um and what I'm really appreciative of is that you're bringing these things to the forefront. And I want to ask you how you lean into coaching people that you've either managed over the years or that you've um, come across through Alluvians or any of the other interactions that you've had based on your own experiences.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only reason why I think I'm effective at coaching and supporting people is because I'm still very deeply entrenched in my own work. (laughs) Like, like truly, like I I receive a ton of coaching, like I'm still attending an immersion or retreat that I'm a participant in, you know, at least once a quarter, like that, that's just where I I enjoy. And it's like, it's a commitment that I have because the more I'm like an onion, it's like, I like the more layers come off, like, I'm like, Oh, we're getting to the core of it. And my whole relationship to God or to spirits to whatever it is, I'm like, Oh, I'm starting to not just discover more, but I'm starting to understand, like, okay, there's a purpose, why I'm being called forward here. And, you know, really, I'm not a, I'm not one of those guys who's like, comes up with these great new ideas and just like drops these nuggets on the world and say, you're welcome. It's like I steal all of my shit. Yeah. <laughs> like all the stuff that I that I teach that I share, I've learned from my teachers. One of my teachers a guy named Rob Renahan, he's a former Zen monk, um, coaches, you know, you know, visionary leaders. Like I, I learn every single day from him. Um, you know, and and I'm a part of a men's group and and learning from them and processing together. And, you know, one of the core tenets that I truly believe in, when I look at, you know, you know, and you, you share this a little bit in my Bible, but like at this point in my career, I've hired, trained, developed, or coached, you know, around 400 tech sales professionals or leaders, whether it be through outreach, through Catalyst, through Alluvians, you, you name it. And the people when I look at who are both, Top performers, meaning that they're, they're achieving, like they're hitting quota, like they're getting promoted, moving to leadership, all this sort of stuff. The people who are doing that and also living a fulfilling life. Like they, they have purpose, like, like they, they're coming from a certain transmission that you're like, man, I just fucking vibe with you, dog. Like I feel I feel you. They usually have three things. This is like really kind of core to like what my belief is. First off, they have an incredible community. A community of people who they don't need to all be alike, but they do need to be trying to serve something together—a greater purpose, something beyond just them, right? And even when you look at like a team, I don't want to be on a team that's just a bunch of individual contributors who happen to be reporting to the same manager. Like I want a crew. So yeah. when you have a community like that, they're also um, you know having each other's back when they're struggling, but more importantly, they're holding each other to an extremely high standard right? Saying, hey, this is the level that you need to be to be in this community. So, so number one, they have community. Number two, they're continuously working on their craft, right? Whether it be sales or whether it be leadership or whatever else you know modality you might be. And it's like, hey, we're always going to say, I need and want and crave to learn more. One of my favorite quotes by, I don't even know who, but it's, it's to be a master is to teach. And when we teach and and through and learn through that, like we're becoming better at craft, it it really pays off in so many types of ways. Um, and number three, um, what those people have is they have a vision, like they have a, a goal that they're striving for. There's something greater in terms of who they view themselves to be. And you know, one thing that I truly believe is the purpose of a vision is not necessarily that you achieve it. The purpose of a vision is who it causes you to be today, right? So if I have a vision of speaking in front of thousands of people and filling out a stadium and leading transformation, which by the way, is a vision of mine, I now start need to start to understand what are the qualities or the characteristics or the habits of that version of myself and how can I start to embody that today? And if eventually I am going to do that, how do I need to cho- choose to stand up or show up today? And that really impacts things quite a bit. And so, again, when you have your community, when you are working on your craft, and when you have a vision, you kind of put those all into the melting pot, into the cauldron, so to speak, anything is possible. Like, like It sounds grandiose or superfluous, but like what is not possible when you have community, you're getting better at what you do, and you have a vision? and that is really what i've seen just start to be a, a big differentiator from the people who i have coached or or i'm investing into who are not just performing at a great high level but also like man you feel good like i re- i'm good feel good receiving from you
0: that is so well said and you know one of the things that i was thinking about as you were speaking is here you and i are talking on this show and clearly both of us have figured out a way to um, see our purpose through to the best of our ability, despite the fact that we're both um, entrenched in the corporate arena that you had alluded to earlier. And there's a lot of people that ask me personally when I go on podcasts of, how are you doing this? Like how how did you write a book? How are you doing the podcast? How are you, you know, seeing these visions through? while working? And I'm sure this is a question that probably comes across your desk on numerous occasions. And you're doing it um, as a leader, not as an individual contributor, which distinguishes you even more. Um, and so let me ask you, what's your answer th- to that question? And then a follow-up question to that is also asking, how are other leaders looking at you? Because you must, you know, kind of be doing something that, you know, they're all looking at and thinking, huh? You know, well, he's going the extra mile here. Are we doing something wrong?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, I just was actually speaking with um somebody on my team. His name is Kurt, and uh, he he was at outreach with me and and he followed me over here to Catalyst. and hes just one of the best sales professionals that I know of. And he's like, "Hey, man, like you do a lot of stuff. He's like, you because you know I have my podcast. I have my community. you know I'm the head of sales. It's like How do you do all it? And, you know, to be honest, one of the things I've got a large capacity. I'll just, I'll just share that. Like I am kind of one of those people and I hope this doesn't make me not relatable, but like I, I generally have an engine that can be going like that's, and I, and I do have a capacity to hold a lot of different things at one time and not get so flustered by it. And it's a fucking practice, dude. Like. I don't know if you've ever read uh, any Michael Seeger books, but like the Surrender Experiment um, or mm-hmm. Untethered Soul, a lot of it is let go, let go. Because a lot of times, you know, I will try to control what happens. I want to make sure that you know all my sales reps do this so that we can control whether or not we're going to hit quota. I want to make sure I can control what my friends do when they go and meet. This girl who I'm dating, because I don't want that to mess up. And I want, you know, and it's like we put this rigidity on it to try to keep us safe, right? Because we're scared of of the unknown right there. And so for me, it's just a continual practice of let go, let go, let go. And that doesn't mean don't control what I can control, obviously. It's like show up and 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 take care of what I need to. It's like, For example, my morning practice, when I wake up every single day, is the most important part of the day. I wake up, make my bed, I do a quick little stretch, I go and take a shower, the end of it's a cold shower, Um, I drink my green juice, and then I meditate for 30 minutes. Hmm. And if I do that, and then I listen to uh, an app called Motiversity on my walk to work, it's like, if I do that sort of stuff, Man, I've just set myself up so well to then be able to take the day on. And sure, shit happens and and stuff goes wrong. And I get flustered and stressed just like the rest of us. But I've now created enough space to nourish myself before I actually go and take on the day. Um, and so that's just, you know, partially how I, I do what I do. And, you know, one of the things is like, I'm enrolled into my vision. You know, it's like, I I have a purpose. Like I see the impact and I and I, and I I meditate and I visualize it often. Uh, I journal about it often. I, and I go to these retreats. I'm thinking about what is it that I'm really trying to do? And, you know, I still remember was, I was back at a, when I was at outreach um, and I was talking, uh, I hired a, a sales coach or he wasn't even as much as a sales coach, he was just a coach. And I told him, I was like, Ben, you know, I realized I'm great at discovery. I'm great at demo, but like, I want to be a better closer. I do want to, learn how to just like close deals more. And he was like, that's awesome, man. Like, let's, let's talk about that. He's like, let's just imagine three years goes by and you just crushed it and learned how to become a better close. Like you can just close deals. He's like, what would the impact be uh, to your partner? I was like, oh man, like if I, if I was a better closer, my partner, she, she'd probably be more attracted to me, right? Because I could, she'd be like, oh man, my man can provide. You know, she'd probably want to, I'd feel more confident. She might want to jump my bones a little bit more. You know, all sorts of stuff. He's like, cool, let's take it even further. If you were a better closer, how would that impact, you know, your parents? And I was like, well, you know, my parents are getting older. Eventually I want to take care of them. I can buy them good stuff and take care of them. He was like, cool. What would the impact of that be on your future kids and your friends and yourself? How would you feel? Like all these different things that, he he is stuff to the point that after these questions, I was like, okay, I thought I wanted to be a great closer. Now I really want to be a great closer. I am enrolled into this goal and this vision of mine." He's like, awesome. Now that you're enrolled, go execute. That's actually the easiest fucking part. He's like, what do you do? You hire a sales coach. You read a sales book. You go find the mentor at your company, who's at the top of the leaderboard, and you ask them what they're doing, right? You, you take an online course, whatever it might be to learn the skills, the execution is actually the easiest part. The hardest part is, are you enrolled into the vision of it? Because when you're enrolled into the vision, especially when the hard shit comes up, when you're stressed, when you're challenged, you're like, yeah, like I'm gonna make it through this because I am so stoked about who I get to become once I am able to overcome this, and that's always just been a big, a big part of of how I've essentially tried to try to do what I'm doing.
0: That is that is so profound. The the way he walked you through that questioning. I mean, as you were doing it, I was answering the questions in my head uh, as you were saying it, um, and it, it kind of takes me to. You're enrolled, but being enrolled doesn't mean that you graduated. It doesn't mean that you've succeeded. It doesn't mean that you've seen the vision through. And you talk about, you know, hitting those hurdles along the way. And one of the things that I personally struggle with sometimes is, I'm enrolled, but mm. that means that I'm I'm committed to it, and that means that my heart is in it. But that means that when I hit, you know, the real roadblocks, like I get I get hit hard. I get hit harder than when I'm not as enrolled because of the fact that now this is my purpose, right? And and so when the world is telling you, um, yeah, you know, you might be calling this your purpose, but here's you know a million reasons why you're going to fail at this. Um, you know, it it hits you even more. It makes you want to go harder, mm-hmm. uh, but it also makes you question your own sanity sometimes. Um, but I, I'm kind of interested in in how you handle the roadblocks.
1: You know, the roadblocks are oftentimes the most important part. If it was easy, you're not, I'm not challenging myself enough. I'll just share. It's like, I really enjoy stretching my capacity. Like I really enjoy going to the unknown, almost going into the darkness a little bit. And I do it in everything. Like, you know, we were talking about this before. I know you're a runner, but like. I ran the New York Marathon this past year because I was like, man, could I do that? That sounded really hard. And just the mere fact that I'm like, could I do that? Was like, damn, now I got to freaking sign up for this thing. And, you know, going into my depression and going into that darkness, I was like, I do not know what is there. I think that means I got to go there. And I'll even share like this might be a little bit edgy, but like I have participated in like plant medicine in ayahuasca. And it's like I go there because I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to find. Let's go there. And that's just really been like, I want to get punched in the face because I know that next time that haymaker comes, I'm going to know to duck next time or I'm going to learn the lesson from it. Um yeah, for some reason I've just never taken the easy path. It always needs to be like, all right, I need to work harder, I need to like be challenged and, and get to my edge and you know, I I enjoy the hard, I guess you could say.
0: I mean, that's a that's what Mile 40 is all about, right? Like Mile 40 was a moment that you know, I paid to put myself in a difficult situation and then I, you know, I got essentially punched in the face and realized, "Oh wow, like like I can handle this this hard situation, um, and so you know you're speaking right at the core of what this podcast is. Can I ask you to give an example of a time that you are essentially punched in the face by putting yourself in a difficult situation, and maybe a lesson that you learned?
1: Mm. Yeah, I'll get I'll get a little personal here. Um, you know this. Uh, I I was dating a woman for, for a while. And, um, I just going back to like what I was like, as, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, I was like, I received love by being great. But at least that, like, look how happy he is. Like, look how smart he is. And so I was like, okay, I need to receive love. And in my relationship, I really wanted the world to think, look how great Alex is doing, right? He's got, a beautiful woman, he's so successful. He's so happy all the time, apparently. and i i I did this unconsciously, but I was you know, using her to get this need met of mine to make everybody think that I was doing well. um and was there love in the relationship for sure, but there was also it was unhealthy in a way. I was codependent um, and you know, just. Being in that relationship, I mean, she was a very conscious woman and like she called out in me a higher standard of mm-hmm. like, hey, like if, if you're going to be, you know, if we're going to be in a partnership, like I ain't, I ain't having this shit. I ain't down for the fake smiles. I ain't down for the look how cool I am world. Look how you finally found the perfect woman to fit into your picture frame of making yourself feel like, like she called that out in me and. You know, we ended up not working out and it was just called me forward to like, I had to go and be like, yo, what is this part of me that doesn't think he's good enough and therefore needs to try to make the world think he's doing okay. Cause he's terrified that people will find out. And if people find out, he won't receive love, right? Because he was only receiving love when he was doing so great. So what happens when he's not doing so great? And that has been such. I mean, that's been my work over the past two years, like, and and receiving a lot of of perspective. And that, in itself, um, like I said, like this past winter was like one of the hardest winters of my life because I went there and I chose to go there. And and there was times where I was like, "Fuck this, I'm fucking done." Like I can't handle this anymore. But coming out of it, I have such. And do I, do I have room to grow for sure? But, but now I love myself more than I've ever loved myself. Um, I'm more self-connected with myself than I've ever been. And these parts that I'm speaking to that doesn't think I'm good enough or, or tries to make other people believe like I have a new relationship with those parts of me, right? I create space for those parts of me. And I actually found that they have a wisdom and an intelligence to share with me, um, and so that was probably one of the hardest experiences that just that relationship and just kind of where it brought me that I've ever been. And now that I'm giving back and I'm serving and continuing to serve people, like I know when other people come up to me and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this relationship and I'm struggling, whatever it might be like, I have such a greater level of empathy and understanding to support them because of that. I'll even relate it to like, I don't know if you've ever had food poisoning, yeah. but I remember yeah, food poisoning is the worst. Yeah. And I remember I had never had food poisoning before. And when someone told me like they had, I'd be like, oh man, that sucks. Like, I'm sorry to hear that. But I remember I was on a trip down to Chile. Um, I was hiking the Patagonia with my sister and I got food poisoning and it sucked. Like, it, like, like, like I was on my back for like two straight days, couldn't get up. And so the point that when somebody later on told me like, hey, I just got food poisoning, I'm just like, man, I'm sorry. That is tough. I was like, let's see them. More, understand them more, empathize with them more. And so for me, as I've gone into whatever my darkness is and, and been in my relationships that I'm that I'm working to to figure out what's going on with me, when other people are going through that themselves, I feel so much more able to be like, hey, I see you. And I'm not necessarily gonna like coach you or teach you how to get out of it. I'll share what my perspective is, but I just see you at such a greater level. And for that, I am thankful for that. For those hard times, those hardships because they've made me who I am and a more effective leader and a coach because of it.
0: Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears really quick. I want to go back to 2016, 2017 you and talking about the fact that on the outside, everything looked good. You were making good money. A lot of times in this world, there's a lot of talk about money being a priority. Right. It's something that comes up all the time. And it's something that, you know, I I think managers or leaders who are um, not as in tune or attuned as you are, given the lessons that you've picked up over time, really lean into as a driver for people. And something tells me that, you know, money is not necessarily the driver that it was for you in 2016, 2017. Um, And I would love to walk through that mindset a little bit. Just to give some insight to the people out there, um, I do feel especially over the course of the last season, we've picked up a lot of listeners from the tech sales world. Um, and you know, I, I've always told leaders over the course of my tenure that money isn't my key driver and it probably isn't even my top 3 and might not even be my top 5. Um, and I'm interested to hear um, from your end on maybe where it lies for you, but more so how it kind of got to where it is now based on your experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good, it's a phenomenal question. So I grew up, so my, you know, like I said, my dad was a doctor and he's also a motivational speaker. And, you know, he's he's my best friend to this day. And he used to tell me as a kid, he's like, Alex, I want you to be thinking billionaire, not millionaire. You know, he really like, Money was, is important, uh, you know, especially for the, an older generation, like money was the top priority. Yeah. And that was just what I heard. I was like, okay, I need to make a lot of money. I need to drive a really cool car and have a great house and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> and as I started to get more money and you know, make Presidents Club all sort of stuff, it'd be like, like I'd hit quota, and I'd get my paycheck. And I'd be stoked for about seven minutes. And then all of a sudden, the new quarter, the new year would roll around. I'm like, I'm back at zero. And I just made this much money this year. Now I got to make more. And I just worked my ass off this last year. I had to do it again, but then do it even more. I'm like, oh my God, I'm on a hamster wheel here. And so is money important? For freaking sure it's important. Do I want to make a shit ton of money? Absolutely, I want to make a shit ton of money. I'm in. Like, let's do that. But I don't want that to be why I'm doing it. I merely want that to be a byproduct of me living a sense of fulfillment, living with a certain sense of purpose. Because if I'm committed to that and I'm becoming extremely good at it, right? I'm becoming an expert in it. And it's providing a valuable thing to the world, to the market, to people. Guess what? People are going to pay me. (laughs) Like, like money will come. Like, it will just kind of gravitate to you. But if I'm focused on the money, people can feel that whether or not they realize it, they feel it. Right. In sales, we always talk, we talk about it's commission breath. Right. Are you just trying to hear, like, try to close me? Nobody wants to be closed. That's not fun right? People want to be helped and served and supported. And if somebody's coming at me from that way, and it's authentic, like I actually can feel that their heart's in the right place. I'm like, man, this person truly wants to serve me. And oh, yeah, for sure, I'll give you money because of that. And so, you know, for me, I think especially for millennials and below, maybe even a little Gen X, but like money is no longer the number one priority. It's, it's going down, just like you said, it's the second, third, fourth, fifth or lower priority. What people are looking for, in my opinion, people are looking for two main things in life. They're looking for community and they're looking for meaning. (laughs) If they have community and meaning, usually they're going to feel good and money will either come or money will not be as important because they found their community and meaning. And, you know... I think if I was say why do I want to make a lot of money it's merely because I want to just be able to impact as many people as possible with the money and invest it back in and, and provide more resources and development for people.
0: Spot on man. I mean you're absolutely right and and that I think is you know the natural lean toward for-purpose companies now right and and the idea that you know if you don't have a purpose you're not going to you're likely not going to resonate as much as a company who's there just for profit these days and um that's what i love about the Alluvians mission and that's what i love about what you're doing out there um can you speak to us as we round things out around your vision uh for the growth of Alluvians, um maybe in the near to intermediate future
1: yeah definitely um so you know we have our our community and we throw quarterly immersion. So our next immersion is November tenth through twelfth. It's in Austin. We're probably going to get together about fifty or so people. Uh, and the community is growing. You know we throw in person events. We have you know weekly community calls. We offer you know one on one coaching. We have a Slack thread with people of just like how do we bring together people um, who are on this mission? And you know I want to be throwing more of these and. Bigger ones uh, and bringing in different speakers. Like, I want to bring in the Zen monks who could talk about meditation. And I want to bring on the people who know how to sling some sass, right? And I want to combine those two worlds right there. Um, You know, I'm inspired to really start serving leaders as well and leaders who actually have an influence on their corporation. Because if the leader is feeling a certain sense of purpose and is coming from the right vibration, that just trickles down where everybody else starts to feel that too. Like, I really do believe. Corporations are outdated. The model is outdated. I don't know what the new model is, but like something's changing right now. Like people can feel it. Um, And I really do believe that Alluvians is on a mission to support bringing forth a new wave of leadership and helping people and companies find purpose, greater connection, and, and also drive great results. And, you know, if we can do that, man, you know, I just want to be able to pass the torch on to future generations and say, like, we did good. We left it on the field, so to speak. Um, and that made me feel happy.
0: I love it, man. I want to thank you for being on the forefront of that movement. I could tell you that it's something that I strongly believe in. I feel the change coming in the industry. I, I feel like it's been long overdue, and um, the last couple of years have really propelled it forward. But to your point, you know, the real change is going to come from leaders such as yourself and the leaders that you're cultivating to drive forward that mission. And so, I want you to know that what you're doing not only serves a purpose, you know, for those around you, but. It's a much wider net that you're hitting. Um, I'm personally grateful that you and I have met. I'm also really thankful for the fact that, you know, you got raw with us. You got a little personal on this show. um, And, you know, your story is just extremely relatable, like I said earlier. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who are sure to be inspired here. So thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. You got it.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the mile 40 family and let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.